Did you know that less than 1% of photographers actually register their images with the Copyright Office? Now, the U.S. Copyright Office has made this process incredibly difficult, incredibly hard to understand, and incredibly timely. So a lot of photographers are just not registering their copyright. Now, ImageRights makes that super simple. They have a Lightroom plugin, and they have registered so many copyrights for photographers to protect them that the process is seamless. You can often get your copyright back to you within a matter of three to six weeks. Now, if you were to do this on your own, it can take over a year to actually get that registration back to you in the mail. So ImageRights actually has partnered with us for our Black Friday sale and has donated their top level plan. This is a $600 a year plan and they're giving it to you for free as part of the photographer's toolkit. And what this means is when you have this plan, you can build a plan to register your images and actually have a registration with the U.S. Copyright Office. So if someone does take your images and use them, with that registration, ImageRights will then help you recover any damages that might have occurred and help you monetize your work. So ImageRights has also developed their proprietary discovery system. So when you register your images with ImageRights and the Copyright Office, they will actually go out there and search for your images all around the web, everywhere. The dark web, the interweb, spider web, all the webs. They're out there looking for your images for you and then have a network of lawyers worldwide that can help you recover any sort of damages for your work. So if you're like the 99% of other photographers that don't actually register your copyright for whatever reason, you can now get the Image Rights Ascent Plan, which is over a $600 value for free with the Photographer's Toolkit. Now to get the Photographer's Toolkit, all you have to do is go to proedu.com and purchase any tutorial or tool that's all 65% off. And immediately after your purchase, you're going to get a confirmation email with all of the codes and instructions on how to redeem all of the software and free additional tutorials that are in the Photographer's Toolkit. Pretty simple. Let's get into this podcast. Welcome to the Pro EDU Podcast, where Rob and Gary talk and drink with your favorite artist. So grab yourself a cold sarsaparilla and saddle up. I'm Rob Grimm, and on this episode, we have kind of a really fun crew assembled here. We have some of my favorite people. First of all, we have Frederick Van Fucking Johnson. Welcome. Across from me. Welcome. Co-hosting with me. You've got mail. <laughs> I've got Frederick. Yes, you do. <laughs> then we have my adopted son, my adopted Brazilian son, one of my all-time favorite people, Mr. Tomas Artuzzi. Thanks, Rob, for the words. So kind. I love you. Me too. And then the other man that I love, who I have not adopted, probably won't, but he's my favorite Brit. <gasps> Maybe of it's all time. Man. Maybe it's of out. all time. Mr. Jake Hicks. Thank you. One of our f- most fabulous instructors. Welcome, Jake. Pleasure. All right. So I think people have a good handle on you, Jake, but just give us a quick little rundown of who you are for anybody who may be new to this podcast. Just a real quick one. I'm a photographer based out of London, UK, specialize in doing a lot of 
fashion and portrait editorial style work, but the main flair is bright, bold, brash, huge saturation, a lot of color, basically. You are brash. Everything about yeah. you is actually brash. In your face. <laughs> and bold. <laughs> <laughs> and a little bit sweaty. Actually, speaking of sweaty, Tomas, tell people who you are. Because <laughs> you are everything. You've been a student of ours. You've been our mascot. You've been one of our faithful team members, and you're a hell of a photographer on your own. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm a photographer based in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and I shoot mostly for magazines, either stills and portraits. And yeah, I've been all around. I've been your mascot. You have been our mascot. <laughs> <laughs> I was cooking oh. I was in the studio. <laughs> kind of our pet. He lived in the studio for six months. We like, yeah. you can't describe yourself yeah. as a mascot. <laughs> That's like, a good one. I'm a pet. <laughs> <laughs> Were you a pet or a mascot? Mascot. Okay. okay. Definitely. That means they didn't have to Definitely. feed you. Mascot, yeah, mascot's better. No, we did. Okay. And we had to give him booze, and that was expensive. Uh, okay. It would there have been cheaper just to hire him. Was yeah. your choice? <laughs> it was a mistake. <laughs> Absolutely. So today we want to talk about creativity. Um, the two of you definitely have a unique approach to what you do. You guys have very, very different styles. Um, so creativity and inspiration, let's kind of jump into that in terms of where you find it and how it drives you as a photographer. Jake. Yeah, you, you're hating that question already. You're like, Rob, don't ask me that. We don't have enough time. Yeah, yeah we do. Yeah, we do. <laughs> well, let's jump into it. What, what do you think about the... the the notion of creativity and inspiration. I think that's different for everybody, and but you know that can exist if you're a, a chef or a musician or photographer. Anything that you do, I think it has to have that. I think it's in all of us in some level. I think it's just different ways of getting it out. Uh, for me, creativity is just a way to try and engage with an audience when I create an image I just want to catch their attention so my my only real goal is just to make something that's going to be eye-catching you know we see thousands of images every single day so if you can just catch somebody's attention for just a split second longer then whenever you do that I think you are being creative well why are you creative what's your motivation that's the, the, the typical artist question what's your motivation <laughs> I'm not sure you have to have a motivation. I think it's just in all like, of us. Are you driven? Like, do you have this? Like, like, we were talking about at lunch that day. Like, are you? Do you have like this, this, this thing burrowing into the base of your skull for an image that you need to create, and you can't rest until you create that image? Or do you just like, oh, you know, I feel like doing this, and you just kind of do it on the fly? Yeah, I think it's definitely part of me. I think, I, yeah, I suppose you could say if nobody was ever going to see the image, if nobody was ever going to see your work would you still create? Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what it comes down to is, mm -hmm. do you believe what you're doing is just for you or is it for an audience? So I think I would, I would do it anyway. You would be creating and shooting the same way you're shooting now if you knew no one would ever see one image you shoot. It might be a little bit different in the way that I would approach it, but yeah. yeah. I mean, I, you could argue that art can only exist with an audience, so. Is your work catharsis for you? I, I I get a lot of enjoyment from doing it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I suppose you could say that. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, uh, I think that's, that's ultimately what you're trying to do. But I think we are all ultimately fairly selfish in what we're doing. Like, we all shoot alone. You know, I don't, I've never shot alongside somebody else, and I don't think many other photographers do that either. I think yeah. we're, we're out there just lone wolfing it and just doing what we do. Um, 
Yeah, that's always been one of the difficult things about the, the world of commercial photography, particularly before you know the the, the internet and kind of online education really took off. Photographers really did live in isolation. Uh, it's not like we all go to an office building where there are 500 of us and we all go to work every day and kick ideas around each other. Right. You develop your own personal methodology of how you create, but staying inspired is really, it's not an easy trick. But I think the social media has added to that a little bit, and you're right. Like oh, yeah. 10, 20 years ago where we didn't have that constant feedback loop yeah. from, like, as you say, working in an office or maybe even in a band or something. You're still getting feedback from a group of people, and that perhaps wasn't there 10 or 20 years ago, and now with social media and rightly or wrongly as to how good that feedback is, the point is that it is there and I think that it does play more of a role now than it ever has done. Yeah, that's a that's a good tangent because Tomas, I wanted to ask you this. So social media and how it plays in to your work, do you this is a this is a tough question. Do you create your work for the audience or do you create your work for you? Is your work for the likes and the thumbs up or is it for you? No, most of my work are, are done for the for the clients. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I don't know, ninety-five percent of them, it's, it's all commissioned. So mm-hmm. I pretty much just do whatever they want me to do. But I do it in a way that they like and like in a creative, creative way. So I, I really don't care too much about social media. I'm terrible on doing that. Mm-hmm. But when I do my personal stuff, then I shoot for the for the likes, of course. Okay. I want. So the commercial stuff is the like is the check. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. But then I, when I when I shoot my personal stuff, I shoot for the likes because it's it's it's, it's nice to see if people like what I'd like to do, and it's pretty much. But yeah. does it drive you? Like we were talking about uh, at lunch the other day, in your if you, you keep the commercial stuff out, which is they say, hey, I want a shot that looks like this and this. You deliver the shot. Yeah. You get paid. On the commercial side, it's fully artistic, and you have control over whatever you do under that light are you creating for the audience in other words hey if i do this more people will like it or do you no, create no. for yourself no, and if they like it they like it if they don't they don't yeah i do it for myself and if they like it great if they don't whatever yeah okay if so i could just oh sorry no no go you go if i could just say that on that regard i think now with me and my work i'm getting to a stage now where a client comes to me and it's like do what you do but you can only get to that stage if they've fallen in love with the amount of work that you've already produced and I think social media and the the branding that comes along with that has a big part I don't know whether I would get as much requests for do what you do had it not been for the social media mm. aspect of it and having that constant flow so you, do you feel like this social media helped you focus and find your voice because you definitely have a very specific style I mean JKX it's color gel portraits all day all night um, was it social media that helped you get there? That's the thing. It's that feedback loop that, that, that we have now, which, which that audience, and the reason I say that was because, I mean, I was shooting with gels 20 years ago, and it was not cool at all to do that. It was like n- nobody uses gels. Like, why would you right. ruin a perfectly good shot with a colored gel? Right, because the fad had already passed. Yeah, it was like yeah. the 1980s pop video style yeah. of just horrendous coloring and just like, why would you do that? Jake and, Hicks um, behind the times. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, okay, so I like moved on and did other things and then I just, and I shared one shoot, I think, um, just using the gels and it was a model shoot and that's what she wanted. And, uh, and yeah, people just erupted online over it. And I was like, well, 
I was doing this years ago and nobody liked it. And now it's <laughs> it's like, okay, so that's, so I, I'll be honest, I did then go, okay, well maybe let's do a bit more of that because if that eruption and that attraction and that love for that one thing that maybe I was doing a while ago, but now just dipped back into, mm-hmm. and I definitely did then sort of focus more on it and it just sort of snowballed from there. It is interesting. I think that there is an eruption. There is one photograph I can pinpoint it in my career, the one photograph that, that changed where I was going. Um, and Tomas, I think I can pick it out for you, at least in my mind. Um, that shot you did of the food in layers. Yeah. Um, kind yeah. of going down. That it, Your work really kind of runs the gamut. I've, I've been very impressed with your career and where it's gone so far. And your ability to create amazing different stuff. You'll do this deconstructed food, um, kind of stacked and flying through the air. And then the next day, you're building what looks like an elevator in your studio, all yellow and yeah. very monochromatic and really cool. So w- what's been disruptive or eruptive for you in terms of your career and how you've built it? I have a few turning points like that, like that photo you showed me, it, it definitely, because one thing that gets the clients back to me is because as magazine, they don't have like a huge budget. Mm-hmm. So they pretty much have a, a crazy and like not very easy to do idea. And they come to me and say, hey, we need to do this and we have this this amount of money can we somehow do it or just to make it happen so that's why they come back to me because it, i always do something different in a creative way to make it happen so this image that the the food that was squared right yeah yeah the first time you saw it in the bahamas 2014 yeah you, you, you told me about oh how did you do that it's, it's great and everybody does when they see that photo that that's definitely a, a good photo for me that yeah that put me back in the game. Another one is a, is a very famous uh, Brazilian photographer, Seb- Sebastião Salgado, I don't know if you know it, but I took a portrait of him and for some reason it got the best portrait of the year in, in Brazil. So I have two very different s- styles that goes really well together. So it's really... Yeah, I, I would weird. even <laughs> argue that you have more than two different styles, which is one of the reasons why we're excited to have the two of you talking, because creativity runs the gamut in many ways. And Jake has got this very specific style. You're not as specific. I mean, you, ha- you have a couple styles, but you are, are known as kind of being this chameleon for all the different editorial covers that you do. And you do one cover after the next. I don't know anybody who produces as many magazine covers as yes. you. Yes, yes. <laughs> 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 That was, a, that was a small cash register. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, you can't say it loud, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but, yeah, thanks. I should, very different magazines. <laughs> it's really hard. And actually, right now, I don't know if it's a, it's a good thing for me or it's a bad thing for me to, to be all over the, the place, like shooting everything. Because people are getting more and more uh, speci- specialized. Specialized, yeah. Specialized, yeah. I like specialized better. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, see, his like his accents are charming. <laughs> so they're getting like really, really specialized <laughs> in whatever <laughs> in whatever they do. And, and some some people, I don't know. Sometimes people are turning themselves into like one trick dog. They, they just do one thing, one thing. And I can see myself doing that. Yeah. Because I, I I don't know. I don't want to wake up and go to the studio and shoot the very same thing that I just did yesterday. Because I don't know. I like to. Do you find it boring? Not boring, but most of the times it's just one more day. There's no. It's just like doing it again. 
Okay, that's interesting because you were one of my earliest students. You came down to the Bahamas to take my workshop, and while you say one trick dog, I'll say one trick pony. I was kind of a one trick pony. I mean, but it's two tricks: it's food and beverage, food and beverage. I absolutely specialize. So, were you just interested in learning anything and different types of genres? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I went to your workshop, my goal was like to to be better in something that I was already doing, and yeah. it it worked. Jake, you should have taken my workshop. Should have helped you out. Look, look where I've been. Just loads of colored gels. On <laughs> <laughs> You've been stuck in 1988 I know. for a long time, buddy. Just go on without me. <laughs> just leave me. And w- what I'm trying to say is, is, is just I don't know. I, I see like very young photographers uh, that just suddenly decide like, oh, okay, I'm a portrait photographer, but you have never shot anything else. So how did you decide not trying anything else, you know? So it's pretty much, I'm still young, I'm 30 now. You're 30? 30, 30. 30. <laughs> but, so I, I, don't, I don't want like, to put myself as I just do this and right. maybe I'm gonna lose all the other good opportunities that may come yeah. to me. And, but I, I know that I have to make a decision soon. Yeah. Otherwise I'm gonna lose everything. <laughs> not lose everything, but I won't get the same, the same gigs anymore. Yeah. Either because of time, because I don't have time to shoot everything, or because I'm gonna not be as good as the other ones. No, I think it's <laughs> important to to do some experimentation and try a bunch yeah. of different things. But it I mean, sounds to me when you don't want to do the same thing every day, is your focus is I just want to continually challenge myself. Yeah, but that's right. yeah, and I think that's for a lot of us creatively, that's the key. Is that I, if you're constantly putting yourself in a position where yeah, I, I love when an email, an email arrive for me and like, hey, we we need to shoot something like this. Do you have an right. idea how? I said, no, but let's do it. Yeah. Because we're going to figure out something will come out of this. For people, for people that are learning, that are on their learning curve and they're looking up to you guys, all three of you guys, and they're like, hey, I want to shoot like that one day. I want to have clients. I want to get covers one day. Yeah. Should they, what's their path? Should they pick their favorite genre, like say gels or whatever, mm-hmm. or food and beverage, and drill down on that and become the best and the known person for that type of photography? Or should they be more of a generalist, like you, Tomas, and, and shoot a lot of things and just be good at a lot of things? You know, is it jack of all trades right. or is it master of one? Honestly, I think that is a phenomenally difficult question to answer. Yes. I can tell you my personal experience. I was very interested in food and beverage from the get-go. Um, the first real studio that I worked in full-time one of the photographers was a food and beverage shooter and the other photographer was a location shooter and i was really with him traveling all the time doing annual report work and a lot of corporate stuff Um, while that work didn't interest me it was phenomenally interesting in what i learned uh, about lighting that i was able to translate into my food and beverage stuff i experimented with food and beverage i then did um, architectural interiors and exteriors i did some headshot type stuff. I had a ton of plastic surgeons, believe it or not, as clients. I did a lot of product work and I personally felt like I could do a lot. Like I could be challenged and I could rise to the occasion. I could figure out how to make that image work. But I had an impossible time getting traction Mm -hmm. because I was viewed as a generalist. Mm -hmm. I I was a jack of all trades, a master of none. Mm -hmm. It, It took me a long time and I wasted a lot of cash. Like I was spending, you know, a lot of money in workbook and black book every year trying to promote myself nationally 
as this kind of generalist. And the message of who I was was totally mixed. And quite frankly, I didn't know who the hell I was. Mm -hmm. When I made the decision that I was going to go food and beverage only, it was a turnkey for my and, for and career. Wow. When was that? How would? It was about three weeks ago. <laughs> I was going to say, that was like 1965 you made that decision. <laughs> uh, 67. Okay. Yeah, actually, 65, I was still, still in diapers. <laughs> It's so funny. We're trying to have this conversation, and there's chihuahuas and cars and trucks and uh, everything parrots happening and here. Yeah, yeah there's you gotta drilling and parrots. And this, Ordinarily, you would have a license these sounds to put in this. You know. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> I know our edit team is going to go, what the hell were you idiots doing? Well, we went to Puerto Rico. We were in Puerto Rico. And we were in old San Juan. Uh-huh. In yeah. a hot as hell room with all the doors open <laughs> and a hopped up Mazda right outside. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> It's a hopped up Mazda without a muffler. That's my guess. Well, it's probably falling off. I don't think that's a mod. I think that's oh, no. just Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Off. No, it was <laughs> ripped off on cobblestone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. right. He yeah. went around a corner yeah. way too It's fast. Modded. Yeah. It's modded by time. Yeah. <laughs> Rob, I want to continue that just a little bit yeah. uh, on that. So in, in the vein, you're an educator now. Yeah. So, so you're the perfect person to ask this. So specialization, the, the trajectory from being the generalist and, generalist and yeah. learning all the aspects of photography and lighting and gels and composition and all that stuff versus getting to that point of right. inflection where you're like, this is the kind of stuff that I'm going to do. How do you know when... Or here's a better way to say the question. Should you start from the beginning and say, you know what, I'm going to be that kind of photographer? Or should you go broad and then invert the triangle and end for, up narrow? For me, the pathway was to go broad. It was mm -hmm. to figure out what I enjoyed the most, what I had the most understanding of, mm -hmm. and what I was challenged by when it came to problem solving. And for me, like so this, this photographer I worked for, Mark Katzman, who was amazing at doing corporate, head, or corporate work, annual report work, We would go on location. Like, I remember we went to this weird um, physical rehab facility somewhere in, like, the middle of Iowa. And we walk in this facility, and there is not a shot anywhere to be seen. This place is a wreck. There is nothing good about it. And I am lost. Just looking around thinking, man, Mark is hosed. Mark pulls out this beautiful freaking shot. Absolutely unbelievable. That was his wheelhouse. He could go in and assess that, and he could say, okay... This sucks, and here's how we're going to unsuck it and make it amazing. And he did it. For me, after analysis and trial and error, my real skill set, where I was challenged the most and where I could offer the most solutions to the problems, is food and beverage. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm all about being a specialist. I think for me, in many ways, it was the right path. I started as a generalist, and then I moved past and it. And that's your recommendation? No, not necessarily, because I think Tomas is a great example of somebody who's done it in a very different way. While he's more of a generalist, his ability to problem solve is very, very clear, and he makes really solid images. Plus, it's also driven by his market, which this is weird, because he's in a massive city. You're in Sao Paulo. It yeah. is massive, which intuitively you would think, well, that's a place where you specialize. You pick a road and you go down it. Yeah. But yeah. that's not how you found that, that city to be, nor is it really the successful way to go. Or is it? Are people successful as specialists in South Yeah, Island? yeah, yeah. They have yeah. a lot of very sp specialized people. Specialized. Why don't you specialize in? <laughs> no, that, 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 that's... See, now you guys are playing no, for the that, that's what I was saying. <laughs> that's what I was saying before. I, I feel that I, I'll, I'll, had, I'll have to. But the, the, the point that I... That I tried to make uh, before was, I don't know why people put themselves in a, in a 
point that they have to decide like really fast what they want to do. Right. Like there's why 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 is everybody in a rush so much? Like, like do everything, find what you like, and then try to specialize. But doesn't that happen naturally? I mean, uh, that would be my argument. Same with Rob was to say that you know just be broad to begin with. Try as many different things as you want, and chances are, I would say a lot of people will be drawn to a specific genre like yeah. food and drink yep. or. But or gravity can pl- make a make a a appearance in there when it becomes yeah. revenue, right? Because yeah. if you're generalizing and you're like, you know, I'm I'm starting to feel like I want to do gels or food and beverage beverage or whatever, and then you start trying to specialize, then you get a gig for something outside of that narrow specialty. Well, you got to pay the rent, so you take it, right? Right. Yeah. Right. But you but also have to make a conscious decision to say no. I'm not going to do that. It's it's also the same as when you've been assistant for years. Mm-hmm. At some point, you have to say, I am not assisting another day. Even if I am like scraping by, I have to make that quantum shift where people only know me as a photographer. Even if it's the other photographers who used to hire me, I have to tell them no. I'm shooting now. You have to kind of put that out there. Yeah. So it's interesting. I think you know you bring out the point, why are people so rushed to kind of find that specialization? And Jake is saying it happens naturally. I think that they both exist. It does happen naturally, but I think in our environment now where feedback is immediate and attention span is shortening, people want that immediate success. That's what's weird about what's going on in social media and the internet and the world of celebrity. Everybody wants that instant fame. They don't want to go through the work. Yeah. Did you guys ever read that article about... It was a satire about why isn't Instagram filter making me a professional photographer? No, I didn't <laughs> no. see that. Yeah, so well, it's think about it. It's a valid point. Yeah, I just made this really cool image when I ran it through a filter. Why am I not a professional photographer? People are really in a freaking rush yeah. to get there. Yeah. So how do you stay? Because you're of this generation. How do you stay away from the desire to rush into being something? Actually, since since I got São Paulo, everything just. I got lucky and everything just happened to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't. I really don't care about Instagram. That's good. <laughs> I mean, I have. I don't. Know, I think four thousand followers is like nothing, and I really don't. I really don't care. Dude, I got more than that. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> no, I don't care about it either. I don't post any of my own stuff. I it just. I don't exist. I mean, I exist, but other people are doing it for me. And. For for what I, for the, the type of sh- most of the shoot that I do, it doesn't matter too much the Instagram because the the portrait part, all right, it could it would be nice to have a better social media. But for the still part, like if they're not clients, nobody is gonna do anything. You know, nobody's gonna pay me to shoot for them. So how do you get to the point at your age where you don't give a fuck about? what's going on social media because most people do most people are way wrapped up in it mm-hmm. yeah they, they are because you're busy so you don't need it yes look at look at you two <laughs> high-fiving for the audio listeners yeah that was a that high-five was, that was a kind of a lame high-five yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like yeah that was a little well, I was trying not to you know well you no, don't want to hurt that was him. cats not dogs <laughs> you, d- you don't want to hurt <laughs> and it's 400 degrees in here that was like oh. yeah it yeah. is <laughs> that's the other thing we forgot to mention it's a thousand degrees in here yeah Conservation of energy. Good, we're, losing, we're all losing a couple pounds, I guess. So I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the process, your processes. Uh, Jake, we'll start with you. So you know, looking at one of your your images, talk through the process that that goes into one. Is it 
is it is it more serendipitous that you're like oh you know i feel like making an image like this i'm gonna use this model i'm gonna i want to try this this lighting technique on her and you just kind of play it until you get it right or do you sketch it out meticulously and say this is what this lighting diagram looks like i'm gonna go execute it i think that's a real good question i think that some people may be surprised to hear that i do wing it on purpose hmm. and i think the reason for that is that i feel confident enough with the toolbox of skills that I have to be able to light my way out of any situation, as it were. But I do think that sometimes you can be too arrogant approaching a job to think that you know what's what's going to look best. Absolutely. Yeah. Before you're, you have you're, you're got all, all the tools in place. You're doing yeah, yeah. jazz, not sheet music. Right? <laughs> so, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> great analogy. That's good, though. Yeah, yeah. Like, as that, yeah. that sinks in. That's a great yeah. analogy mm -hmm. because I think you can plan it all out, and then you can get frustrated by. Maybe the model's shorter than you thought, or maybe the room has black walls instead of a, you know, white walls, and you don't have the, the right modifiers. And I think there's too many moving parts, in my opinion, to predict that you have the best shot in, in your mind's eye before you begin. So, yeah, my, my process is to generally just have a lighting idea or maybe a color combination or a lighting style in mind, or maybe I want to make sure, like, maybe it's I just want to make sure that the model's face is lit with white light and then the rest is going to be up to me maybe I want to make sure that it's it's not and it's you know mm -hmm. I'm going to have a colored fill or something like that but beyond that it really is about getting in there and working with it and thankfully I'm in a position now where people are willing to trust mm -hmm. yeah. like that was harder years ago yeah you know if you're trying to set up a shoot and they oh, can you send me storyboards can you send me mood boards can you send me ideas and it's no I yeah. can't because they're not out there I don't believe that what I want to do is, is out there, so I can't show you what it's going to be. Um, and now I think there is a lot more trust. And so it's since like, you're, an accomplished, you you're an accomplished photographer now, you know, at, a, at, a, at a, kind of the top in your career for what you do, you have a known name mm -hmm. out there, you have a brand out there. What about the people that don't have a brand? Are those folks that are still working, but they may not be the Jake Hicks out there. Should they be sketching and doing sheet music and presenting that to the client or playing jazz? I think it depends on how you're gonna work on the day, but I think you can perhaps instill some confidence into the client by just being really positive and really excited about the shoot and excited about the ideas. And most of the time that will get you through a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Like in my experience, clients are genuinely pretty nervous about, about the shoot. Maybe they haven't been on too many shoots themselves. Maybe they have, but the chances are is that they're anxious to make sure that you get a great shot. Yeah. And if they even see just a splinter of hesitation that you're not 110% excited about providing them with the best possible image, then it's going to come across. So if you're just always contacting them, just being generally excited and showing them just snippets just to, in, just, just to ensure them, I think you can, you can get away with a lot, but at the same time, they're going to want something specific as well. So. I think you have to be genuine, though. It's not like you can just come to the table and be excited. Because um, yeah, that might be false. I mean, there are plenty of times on jobs where I have not known, even though I've been doing this a long time, how I was going to make that shot work. There was there something that was, that was challenging me that I was struggling with. So I made sure to, to communicate that with the client. Like, you know what? Can you give me a little time to figure this out? Here's what I'm thinking. And I want to get to this place. Um, I just need to connect those two dots. I'm going to work on that. I'd love your input. And I would try to involve them as much as I can. But I would also ask at times for time, just for them to let me roll. So it wasn't that I wasn't being excited about it. I was being pretty honest in where I was in that, in that creative process. Yeah, it, ha it happened to me the same, the same, the same thing. Like, 
they came with a really crazy idea and I said, hey, I kind of know how to do it, but I, I need like maybe two or three days of research and yeah. see if I'm, if I do have everything that it, it takes, like, I mean, equipment and I, I'm talking specifically about an image that is a, is a woman uh, underwater. Mm -hmm. She's like kind of flying and I had no idea how to shoot it. And I asked like for two days and hey, right. I need like a day or two to think about it and research and see if I can do it. And then we get back to this. And I decided to shoot it, but it was really risky. Yeah, that, that photo. Mm -hmm. that, so how'd you do it? How'd you figure it out? Yeah, because <laughs> the, the <laughs> major problem was the the flash sink underwater. It, yeah. it doesn't work. The if you if you put a pocket wizard in your mm -hmm. camera and you dive in, it, it doesn't. Radio work. waves don't like water. Yeah. yeah, so I pretty much put a small pocket wizard in uh, my camera bag and put a uh, speed light on a ziploc mm -hmm. and dive with both together and the the speed light was firing up and the flash outside the pool was firing down the, the light back so this one was really hard to do and was cold as fuck this day it was terrible but when we got to the place it started to rain so i got to the client say hey maybe it won't happen do, do we have a plan b or right. a place to go or anything else to do and i said nope you have to, <laughs> you have to get. <laughs> you gotta gotta make it work. No net, no net. <laughs> All right, that's, so that's kind of that is, yeah, that is part of the yeah. job. And I think it's I think it's important for you not to become rote in what you do. I mean, uh, even though a lot of times I'm shooting the same damn thing over and over, it's food and beverage. It's another burger. It's salad. So one of the things I in, did to myself intentionally was I challenged myself. My wife would get into these conversations with me. She's like, "Why did you buy a new camera the day before a shoot? Why are you trying to figure out a new piece of software?" <laughs> why, why are you there until 2 in the morning building a set that you've never done before? Because I need to continue to challenge myself. Otherwise, I'm going to start to See, hate what scary. I do, even that's though I scary. love what I do. That's scary. Like, Military-wise, that you'd get, you know, in trouble for that. You know, like taking new gear on a mission-critical assignment that you just unboxed the day before, and yeah. then you fail because, oh, well, I couldn't find the so-and-so yeah. switch, you know? <laughs> Your gear explodes <laughs> and people die. Well, no. So my gear does explode and people die if you take a power pack and no, put it in even, water. No, even if it it's in. a grip I mean, and a grin <laughs> with a general and you go out there and you take and you don't get the photo really? because you don't yeah. know your gear, you're toast. All you're right. toast, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're expected to, to be intimate with your gear at all times. Yep. And if you have new gear, spend a couple of weeks with it before you take it on a real job. That's just yeah. the way it is. Yeah, but no. the, the way Rob said, you probably had both gears in the studio. So if the new one doesn't... No, yeah, no, no <laughs> I, I, I did. Yeah, no, no. I did. And, and also one of the things that I would do is I would hire somebody who knew it. Yeah. So if yeah. I didn't... Okay. like, So if I'm, if I'm deciding to shoot with something completely different, let's say, I don't know, I didn't know Capture One, I'd hire a, a digital tech that knew it backwards and forwards so I could still be creative behind the camera while employing this new technology or this new technique. You bring the right people with you because this is a team effort, right? Yeah, sort of. Jake? Is it not not for Jake? Jake's a lone English wolf. I, I just howling at the moon. <laughs> you are right. It is a team effort. Yeah, yeah. but at the end of the day, the buck stops with you. Like, yeah, that's the think, that's the hard you part. Do need to own that at some point. At some point, you have to stand up and go. No, this is what we're going to do, and no, that's not going to work, and no, this is not going to work. Like I know it's a lot more collaborative now than it, than it has been in, in, in recent years but at the end of the day it's still if the makeup shit is your fault you're the, the CEO shit is your fault yeah, you, and, yeah. And oh absolutely you're the CEO of the shoes so, so yeah, yeah you at some point you, you just can't just go. sit back you have to lead I mean as a photographer you've got to step up and you've got to lead and you have to make decisions or you have to tell them 
I don't have an answer right now, which mm-hmm. I honestly did. I would say to my clients, I don't have an answer right now. I need 10 minutes or I need two that's, hours. That's a good question based on what Jake was saying earlier yeah. about about kind of having the enthusiasm and the infectious enthusiasm so that your client has confidence in you on the shoot. What's better? The, if you're if you're approaching a shoot, like Tomas, you were saying, you know, with the water shoot, you're like, well, I don't know if it's going to happen, but we're going to try. No, is was, it uh, better to do that or is it better to say, we're going to nail this, it's going to be great, and then secretly inside you're dying a little? No, I was <laughs> For that image, I was super excited because actually going underwater was my idea. Mm-hmm. They showed me the, 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 the layout. I said, hey, maybe we can shoot it underwater. And by the second I said it, oh, shit, I just put myself in trouble because... Yeah, you're diving I, with I a have never, bag I have never done in. it, <laughs> mm-hmm. and they just yeah, let's do it, let's do it under underwater. So, I was super excited about it, but when I got that to the place and start raining, the, the major problem was the rain because we had like studio flashes all over. So. Yeah, electricity and yeah. water. No, and it was really really cold, really cold, and it was a cold pool. It was like five degrees Celsius. Oh, I was gonna say it was cold and. In Brazil, that is cold. That is. Yeah, that, yeah. It was, That's. Yeah, and the weird thing was, a year later, I was in a speech, and I was put it, put this photo out to to show them, and just by curiosity, I Google the date, like São Paulo, right, and the date, and it was the coldest day in the last fifty years. Of course <laughs> it was. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it would be. Said, oh shit! Yeah, it was yeah. really cold. Yeah, but on that confidence thing as well, you know, I think we spoke about this last week, but. I, I may like be consciously trying to be super positive on the day, but I'm certainly really, you know, oh, you're terrified shitting inside. bricks inside. But, yeah. You know, I think we spoke about this last week as well. If if you're not worried or you know losing sleep the night before, that then you're really not pushing yourself hard yeah. enough. You know, and I think that's I agree with that philosophy. I think, I think that's what it comes down to. If you're just sleeping like a baby every night, then you're just not. Yeah. Just not trying when, hard enough. When they assign me f- to shoot someone like really famous in Brazil, or when I'm shooting like for Forbes, Forbes magazine covers and uh, everything. Because it's so weird to shoot like, like really billionaire people because you never know what's going to happen because you never know how, how, how much time you have mm-hmm. or their mood or everything. Mm-hmm. That's the, when I get mo- most scared. Like, I just like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Maybe it's going to be super easy and fast and maybe they're going to put me waiting for five hours because the guy is somewhere flying in a helicopter mm-hmm. to get here to, for the shoot or anything like this. Yeah. And maybe he, he's losing money. He's going to be in a bad mood and... Mm-hmm. Th- that's the, the worst part for me. The like, human, the human unknown yeah. element. Yeah, we yeah, don't, we, yeah we, we certainly don't have control of every element. Yeah, I mean, and you know, on that, I mean, I had, a couple of weeks ago, I had to shoot a movie poster and all the cast, but obviously, you never get all the cast in the, in the same room at the same time. Um, but also, uh, like, I've never done a composite of gel work before. It's not how I work. But they wanted six people lined up for this movie poster, so I had to shoot them all separately, and I couldn't actually do it in a group because the way that I do my shots, the lights yeah, have to be the, real the close the to the center. Yeah, the gels So, exactly, so I can't have six people all stood next to each other. I, you just can't do it. So, I was certainly like, I've never done any composite work before. You know, I'm trying to, so, you just gotta, you just gotta do your homework. Yeah. So, what have, what have been the failures that you guys have had where the homework didn't work and you screwed the pooch and the client was like, yeah. <laughs> Uh-uh. I think it's only really been, for me, thankfully, it's only really been post-pro adjustments. That's it? You even I, screwed the pooch on anything else? Not that couldn't have been changed in post-pro. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, me neither. 
God damn. Yeah. I had a couple episodes. Yeah, I don't remember. I wouldn't admit that on a public podcast either. Why not? I think so. I think so. <laughs> that's true. That is they true. do want to get clients yeah, in the yeah, future. That's true. That's true. I think that's where some no, of but, the best but lessons I, I, are. I, I, don't, I don't remember. Yeah, you're I not going to learn on my dime. <laughs> so that's a good question, though. So in post-processing, what, what percentage of your work? And it's because this, this whole podcast, the theme is creativity, right? Mm-hmm. So what percentage of your work and the creative aspect of what you're doing is brought out in Photoshop versus you're executing it? Jake, you know, well, both of you guys, you know, versus in the camera and in Photoshop. I think there's two schools of thought at the moment. There's one that is just like, well, just do everything in Photoshop. Why wouldn't you? Like, you're daft if you don't do that because you have all the flexibility and ability to change things. And I, I hear that all the time from people. Well, you could do that in Photoshop when you have a lot more control. Fine. Like, everybody's, everybody's different. But at the same time as well, I think from my point of view, I try and get as much as I possibly can do in camera because I believe that the results genuinely reflect that. And... I'm also shooting with the post pro in mind, and I'm, sure yeah. I'm pretty confident that Tomas does exactly the same looking at his work, where I may shoot my images slightly flatter, so basically have a lot more detail in the crazy. shadows on purpose. So in, in post pro, saturation is linked to contrast. So whenever you increase the contrast in a color photo, you inherently increase the saturation, that's locked. So if I have an already contrasty image in camera, I can't increase the contrast of that image, thereby increase without the saturation it up. Without, yeah. without knocking out the blacks. So I consciously shoot very flat in camera so that mm-hmm. I can crank the contrast a huge amount to get that saturation afterwards. But you could argue, well, why don't you just get it right in camera? It's, you know, you just got to choose what, what you feel comfortable with and, and, and go with it. My, my approach to Photoshop is, is it pretty much the same, but slightly different. For the portrait work, uh, it, there is no not too much Photoshop, not too, ma- too much post-production, but for the still ones, uh, especially the splashes and and everything is breaking or flying, then I shoot for the post. So I, I, I really plan the shoot before shooting and I just use Photoshop because it's, I mean, I, I will get the same result, but faster as if you plan it really well, mm-hmm. you get the same result. So I used to say that I don't care if I do it in, in camera or Photoshop, if it looks good, mm-hmm. so it doesn't matter to you. There's, they're both kind of, they're part of the sketch. Yeah, I, 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 I have to use both. So, yeah. if I'm gonna save time and money doing on camera, then camera. If I'm yeah. gonna save Efficiency. time and money doing Photoshop, Photoshop, whatever. Efficiency is a huge. Because because I, I do I do all my work. I do all the shooting, all the retouching. So, I pretty much know what I'm, what I'm doing if I'm leaving it for the post because I'm going to do the post. It's not that, yeah. oh, someone's going to make it better later. That, that's someone it's Do you want to be at the point where you're, somebody else is making it better later and you just shoot? Or do you, or is it too much a part of your process? No, no. Uh, yeah, I, I want it. You want to do it for me? Hell no. You know I can't <laughs> do it. No, no, yeah, but... I don't even know how to open Photoshop, yeah, let alone work. I wasn't going to bring that up. <laughs> it's on, it's on hey, don't, don't be mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's on my plans to... to, to Start like to, how to say it? Farm it out. It farm it out. Yeah, <laughs> Jake, are you way. are you doing your own post processing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of it. Yeah, all of it. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Shoot concept, delivery. Yeah. It's all you. Yeah, yeah. I, nice. Yeah, and this I think is something that we're going to go through in the next generation of 
how important that is and how fundamental that is in the photographic process. Uh, I personally believe that it is important. I think that when Tomas starts to farm it out, he's going to have to find somebody over time that fits with his style. And yeah, I think definitely. that's a real like, long-winded for, process and sometimes. For, for what we shoot, like the post-production, it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty much where you can put your identity on it. It it makes it yeah. even it's your more style yours, as well. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think like you know, because it's it's just not a correction retouching shit. It's it's like it's it's a lot. That Especially for my work with the color, yeah, yeah. yeah I want to be able to lock in a specific look and feel with color afterwards. Um, but I see a lot of photographers at the moment using incredibly talented retouchers, and and just to give you a little bit of backstory on that, I was recently contacted by a retoucher, and they were touting for work and that sort of stuff mm -hmm. and incredible work without question and she was showing me her best work so she was showing me the before and afters yeah and i know some of the photographers that she'd work with and she was sending me the before shots and in all honesty it's absolutely horrendous mm. like some of the raw <laughs> files that she was working on was absolutely disgraceful and that photographer legally doesn't have to put the retoucher next to the image. So how much do we really need to include the retouching process as part of that artistic workflow? In my opinion, it was the retoucher that took that shot, in all honesty. You guys want to do a little samba? I agree Retouchers are a vital part. They're a, a huge part of my image-making capabilities because nothing I do isn't composited. It's all, even food. No, that's no, that's and and that's slightly different because that's expected in in that type of shot that you're doing. You're shooting with that in mind, and that makes total sense yeah. for sure. But like, for example, a portrait that you know she was changing the light, she was changing, she was you yeah, know. No, my files are damn fucking good to exactly, begin with. Exactly, I don't, no, I don't I give no. I don't give somebody that. a bad exactly. file. That's, that's that is thing. not going to happen on my watch. Yeah, but but <laughs> he why, thinks but why Val does protest too much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm here to say Rob's fire are good. Yeah. He's worked on many of good. my files. Oh, they're, I have no okay. doubt. I have absolutely yeah. no doubt. But do you not think it's maybe frustrating that somebody else is not spending the amount of time and effort and they're getting just as good a results based on the retail? Oh, it makes me crazy. It makes me crazy. But that's, I think, also part of where the business has gone. For sure. It, part of the reason why I get it right in camera as much as I can is because I, I started my career on 8x10 view cameras. You have to. Yeah. You know, you so a, a, a single sheet of 8x10 was not cheap. Yeah. A single that's Polaroid brilliant. of 8x10 and, you know... 1991 it was $25. Yep. Yep. So in $91, you're spending, oh God, our film budgets were outrageous. I mean, some our film budgets would be sometimes three times what our what our day rate was. Because we blow through so much Polaroid and so much put film. A, like, for the learner. I'm, I'm yeah. the learner advocate here, right? So yeah, yeah. for the learner that's like, okay, I want to put this in a box and figure out what my actionable elements are from this conversation. Should I be wor walking in terms of post-production? Yeah. Should I be going down the path and planning to create the elements and the concept of an image that I'm going to then hand off to a team that I'm going to build? And my ultimate goal is to build a team of mm -hmm. awesome people that can execute my vision. Or should I be the Jake Hicks and be the artist from concept to creation and own all of that? Which is the right path? Um, one, it depends on who you are. I, I would say that almost everybody works better in a collaborative team setting. And even Jake, even though he's kind of this lone English wolf howling at the moon all night long. Mm -hmm. um, he a British does, werewolf in London. He, he yeah. is. <laughs> you are kind of a werewolf, aren't you? 
<laughs> I'm going to take that as a compliment. Uh, well, you, like, oh, I wouldn't I'm, do I'm that. Going but I'm going with it. No, just answer the no. question honestly. <laughs> no, but you still have a team. And I do. You have like, hair, and, and hair and makeup. You. Have I will. I will add to what to, to yeah. what you're saying there and say that. Uh, I don't tell the makeup artist how to do her job because I wouldn't expect her to tell me how to do my job. So oh, you're right. right. You work with the best possible people you can find. But you consult with her. When, oh, you, when sure. you and Kate you and guys. you and Trudy are you, sitting down to talk about a job, you're sure. talking about the ideas that you have because as a collective, the image will be better. Now, you're, you're the guy who's in charge, and at the end of the day, the buck it's stops you, you, so you're sure. directing. But, but it's down to you to make sure you're working with the best people. Uh-huh. I, I, I do see some shooters you who listen to them. micromanage the hell out of a shoot because they think they know best. And it's like, you're the best at what you do. Let somebody else be the best at what they do. Yeah. And But sure. that's ego, and that's, and that's maturity as an artist. How do you manage that if you're a new artist and you're like, well, you know, we were saying before that you got to be the CEO at the shoot, which comes intrinsically, no offense, with some ego, right? So right. How, do, how do you get on set, you have ego, and you're directing people, where's the line of, okay, I'm gonna direct, but I'm gonna draw the line here at how you're gonna apply that eyeshadow. You know, where's the line? Uh, well, I think the, the line, first of all, it starts inside your own head. Mm-hmm. If you're the guy or gal who's in charge of the shoot, first and foremost, think about tone. Everybody in the room is there because you're making an image. Mm-hmm. As a team, whether it's you know the, the hair and makeup artist and the stylist and the client, they're all there for one reason. It's for you guys to make an, an image at the end of the day, so mm-hmm. everybody can go home at five thirty, six o'clock, and see their kids. But the tone is on you. So, are you going to micromanage? Are you going to be upset? Are you going to be a photographer who throws clamps and you know at, yells at their assistant? Or are you going to be the collaborative photographer who is inclusive and communicates? It's I think I think you have to very quickly even as a newbie in this business, decide how you're gonna run the show. Because mm-hmm. if you're gonna be a photographer, you're always gonna be running the show. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just you, even like Tomas doing his own shooting and post-processing, you still have people around you now, you know, helping with assisting and prop selling. But from yeah. day one, if you're a photographer, you have to set tone, even if you're the only person in the room. That tone has to start with you. Yeah, That's my, that's my diatribe, man. Shit, I went off. Yeah. I'm looking, yeah, at some of, I'm looking at some of Jake's work here on the computer. Jake, this, this is fantastic stuff. Both Thank of you guys. You. Thank you for trying. Both of you guys are just crazy. Yeah, these so. guys are amazing. <laughs> <You guys> are <laughs> They're amazingly talented photographers. Yeah, but huh? just adding to, to Rob, uh, I need, people need to find a way to increase their chances. So, yeah. And I believe that including everybody is the best way to make it better instead Absolutely. of being a... All right, boys. Where do you want people to go check out your work so they can learn more about you? See if you can say it over the Mazda without the muzzler. <laughs> JakeXPhotography.com. It's all, everything's on there. Everything leads away from there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, my website's Artuzzi.com. A-R-T-H-U-Z-Z-I. I was going to say, you have to spell that because yeah. nobody, can, nobody can understand it's you. It's a really hard name. It is a hard name. Yeah. And you have a thick accent. So, what are you going to do? It's not that even thick. Worse. It's not that I like thick. giving him shit. Yeah. <laughs> He's my adopted Brazilian boy. It's spicy. It's like a teddy bear, too. He does it all the time. Always pulling me down, you know? I know. I know. <laughs> the terrible dad. I know. That's, but I always hug that's you. That's low self-esteem, Tomas. And worry. I always that's rub your belly. Father in him. Yes, father in him. I do. I rub your belly and I hug you. Yeah, do it. Keep doing it. <laughs> we're, so as, as we're wrapping this up, I'm rubbing Tomas's belly right now. So if Sorry, you Jake. I can't help you. No, <laughs> It's your turn, Frederick. I can't help it's you. your turn. <laughs> I you am not a, I'm not a follower, man. I can't do it. What are you afraid of? <laughs> hair. You, you rub us the belly us. Mm. I have a feeling Jake has hair on his stomach. I'm not touching it. Oh, yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you all. Cheers.
ProEDU is now unlimited. Get access to every single tutorial. Sign up at ProEDU.com today. Limitless potential, mofos. The dude definitely abides. This podcast is officially over. Catch you a little later on down the trail, dude. Never stop learning. Mm-hmm.